You're listening to the Planet 76 Podcast, the podcast about 76ers basketball, and we're cleared for takeoff. Let's go. What's going on, Sixers fans? Welcome to episode 51 of Planet 76. Uh, your Sixers are trailing two games to nothing in the Eastern Conference semifinals. We're recording on Thursday uh, between games two and three, so Sixers are uh, going to get their shot at the Miami Heat on Friday night at the Wells Fargo Center at 7 o'clock. And um, we're going to kind of recap where we've been i mean our last full length ep- episode michael we were we were pretty happy because we didn't know about the joel Embiid <laughs> seriousness of that injury i guess if you can say it that way and uh boy things have changed in the last week haven't they <laughs> yeah we uh we, we it feels like it's been a while since we recorded but like troy just said it's only been a week and i feel like that's partly in partly uh due to what's going on with the sixers what's going on with joel Embiid, and like troy said we're gonna get into that in this episode but yeah a <laughs> lot of a lot of a uh change for um, in emotions for us here on on the pod so <laughs> yeah it, it certainly is and then i saw that um so like even today i'm not a, i don't follow all philadelphia sports but i saw the phillies blew a six or seven run lead in the ninth inning what? in the ninth inning tonight against the <laughs> oh my Mets gosh. Uh, so it's been quite the day quite the week I guess for Sixers fans and, and Philadelphia sports fans in general but um, again this is Planet 76 that's Michael I'm Troy and um, we're gonna get it rolling we're gonna kind of just let it out a little bit probably on yeah. this episode and then yeah. talk about the first couple games down in Miami and how the Sixers couldn't get the job done what led to that and how much they're missing uh, Mr. Joel Embiid, of course, and um, preview game three, because uh, in you know even in my Planet Seven Six Five recap yesterday, I said that uh, you know after game two that the Sixers are not dead yet, yeah. and they're not. Um, it, is it looking good? Absolutely not. But they're not dead yet, and so there's still you know a glimmer of hope, and uh, so maybe we can we can spark something here from Planet Seventy Six. But um, you know, the most recent piece of news coming today at the 5 p.m. You know, report is that Joel Embiid is out as of now. Michael, correct me if I'm wrong. Um, the reason he's listed as out and not questionable or doubtful is because he has not yet cleared concussion protocol. That's why he's out. If he clears that hypothetically tomorrow morning, he could possibly play. Yeah, for that's from what from what I got. It was if Embiid can't clear protocols, he cannot be listed as anything besides for being out okay. because and it does make sense because if he if he if he can't clear the protocols he can't play which would mean he's out for the game so that makes total sense but like troy just said the catalyst is that he definitely could clear protocols before the game tomorrow and i think the deadline is 5 p.m because the the injury report deadline today was 5 p.m i know for a mm-hmm. fact so i'm assuming it's a daily thing which would mean tomorrow 5 p.m as well which happens to be only a few hours before, before tip-off. So hypothetically speaking, again, like Troy just said, he could be cleared t- for tomorrow, possibly, mm-hmm. maybe, potentially. Maybe, yeah. Potentially, hopefully, um, although I would say probably don't get your hopes up. I yeah. mean, again, you see 24 hours before the game that he's listed as out because he hasn't cleared yet. Yeah. Um, hopefully we're wrong. I mean, hopefully he, he gets the go-ahead, and hopefully he's okay to get the go-ahead. We don't want... 
uh, even you know Michael had a post today saying you know we don't want Joel to force the issue and um, those kind of things because his health and safety obviously come first especially dealing with a concussion so right. um, you know on today's episode we're gonna again break down the first couple games talk about that um, you know even Michael your posts this week have been very good um, I will say as a fan of the trust Thanks. the love page um, you know you mentioned you know at least in a couple of posts I think um, that you think the first two games in Miami were winnable games and we're gonna get to that because yeah. um, I want your take on why you think that and um, and then we're gonna you know look ahead to game three tomorrow night at the Wells Fargo Center so um, you know, let's just go game one. What did you see in game one? Good, bad, and different. The Sixers led by one at halftime, um, you know, without giving too much into the question as to why you think they could have won, but what did you yeah. see? Well, Harris looked really good. Again, even before the game concluded, as Troy has here, he had 27 points. Harris looked really good. It was a competitive game, really, until halftime. Sixers were had a few leads again one point lead at half i think they were also up another point in the first half as well mm-hmm. and they it looked like it was going to be a competitive game and both games similar with both games the heat jumped out to a huge lead sixers couldn't quite come back or even cut cut it close particularly particularly close in both games and again both games ended in pretty decent not not quite a huge blowout, but on the verge of a of a blowout, basically. Right, right. Yeah, I think um, what stuck out to me from game one was you know how close it was at halftime. I mean, I was yeah. I was excited. I was like, let's go. We're up one at half. I I you know I was watching my dad who was up here visiting, and you know I was like, you couldn't ask for anything better than yeah. that. You're up one at halftime against the Miami Heat without your star player. So it felt good, and then, you know, the second half came along, and, you know, they just couldn't hang. It got, you know, obviously I think I think it was early in the fourth when it kind of got away um, from the Sixers. And, um, you know, Bam Adebayo was huge in that one. Twenty, He was a plus 26 in the plus-minus category in 34 minutes. So he played a huge role, kind of no answer for him. Um, Tyler Hero had 25 points off the bench in just 29 minutes. We couldn't stop him, could we? flamethrower dude we, we went to the oh zone or you know there was one i think we caught a timeout immediately after T- tyler hero was wide open at the top of the key because of some sort of miscommunication i was like yeah. that's what you want uh, that's literally a layup for him yeah um as wide open as he was and um another the big stat i think that stuck out to me is how poorly each team shot from three um the sixers were six for 34 from three and you could say the same for game two, what they shot. Um, but, like, they were eight, eight for 30 from three in game two. But it's like, yeah. man, you imagine if a couple threes fall, you know, how different a game that could have been. But Miami was nine for 36 from three in game one, which is 25%. You kind of knew that in game two they were going to step that up. Um, that was my takeaway from game one. I was like, oh, man. Um, <laughs> they're not they're gonna shoot probably like going to hit. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I was like, oh, boy, that could be tough for game two. Um but yeah, I mean, even as we mentioned, kind of you know, before we started recording, these were kind of similar games. Why would you? Why do you say that? Because um, you mentioned it to me. Yeah. Well, I mean, right down to the from from the from the game as a whole, right down to to the stats of the game. Mm-hmm. Breaking down stats here: Game one, Sixers six for thirty-four from three in game one. Game two, eight for thirty from three. We're talking about a two-point no two. 
wait, two, almost, I can't do math, two attempt difference in threes right. for the Sixers. Down to that, the score, I mean, the sc- I, I forget the exact final score. Oh, here it is, actually. Oh, not that similar. So a 14-point game and a 16-point Well, actually, game. yeah. Yeah. Sixers scored 92. Well, that's like nine points. Whatever. I, I'm going to try. But the point differential <laughs> yeah. alone. Point differential, yes. Yeah. And, and and the way that the game was unfolded. I mean, the game was close in the first half. He built up a huge lead. Sixers can't come back. Game one. Game two, same thing happens. Game one, the bench plays poorly. Sixers lose. Game two, the bench plays poorly. Sixers lose. Only difference in game two was that Harden played way better. Maxi played way better. Mm-hmm. Harris played well in game one and game two. So right. we see these similarities. We see the exact same things happening. The only thing that we don't see is the bench playing well. We see them playing poorly, which, again, is one of the only common factors in mm-hmm. both games. Mm-hmm. You can. It's glaring to me that had the bench done anything other than than what it did in game one and game two we're talking about maybe maybe not wins but we're talking about games that are way closer we're talking about games that are way more competitive in the in the set in the third and fourth quarter mm-hmm. we're talking about this team guys like george niang shake milton and to to shake's credit i guess he didn't really get he only played one minute and it was when the game was over in game two but yeah, I had a game, problem with that. Yeah, game one, Niang over seven from three. That's not okay. Game two, <laughs> Niang six fouls. He fouls out in ten minutes. That's talent. And and same exact thing. Thibault non-existent, just nowhere to be found on offense. Milton game one was horrible on offense. No production. No scoring. Nothing. That's yeah. not green. Second uh, second game. One for nine from three. Now, okay, he's done this in the regular season too, but it's a playoff game, man. I, and I like yeah, that you're and shooting. And you're Mr. Three Rings. Yeah, Danny Three Rings. <laughs> I, 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 like the, I like that he's shooting because that's what you want. You don't want him driving. You want him taking threes, wide open threes, which is what he got. Just right. bricks. Just right. la- creating houses with these bricks. <laughs> it's just – it's just it, – it, that's a guy, him and Niang are guys that you need to ha- to have them make their threes. If they don't make their threes, their level of impact and their production is going to look horrible right. on paper, right. as we're discussing right now. Yep, yep, exactly. The, and the, you know, the other guy you mentioned, Matisse Thibel, uh, I saw a tweet today. I forget exactly what the wording was, but it was the fact that Precious Achua Oh, has, I saw that. As many made baskets <laughs> as Matisse Thibel does for the Sixers in the last oh six gosh. games or whatever, um, which is remarkable. If you don't remember, I don't know what game it was. Maybe game five against the Raptors. Precious Achua put the ball in for Matisse Thibel after his, after his <laughs> I remember that. I was yeah. there for that game. Oh, my gosh. That was crazy. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's right. That's crazy. So, um, yeah, the Sixers shooters, I mean, it, it killed them. Again, it's like this is this is turning into like the ultimate what if series to me yeah um not only what if Joel Embiid played but what if the Sixers made a few shots man because right. you know you got a guy like Niang and Danny Green who who filled it up from three this year consistently um and you know one goes one for ten one game the other goes over seven one game and when he went over seven the next game 
he played 10 minutes and fouled out in George Niang. And so it's like, man, if those guys just shoot half of what they right. as well as they normally do, this is a game. You know, I remember thinking to myself in game two, so I don't know how many straight points or how many, you know, of the last X amount of points Tyrese Maxey scored for the Sixers in game two, but it was a lot. He was um, on fire. He was the only one doing anything at the end of the third, early fourth yeah. quarter. Um, it got to a point where it was an eight-point game with, you know, nine, ten minutes left. I'm like, okay, you know, we need a couple buckets. We need right. a guy to make a three. We need to get a couple stops. And we got a couple stops. We just couldn't make shots, you know, because we were a couple made shots away from it being a one-possession game. And then it's like it's game on, and we just couldn't get there. And it hurt, and it sucks. And it's like, man, <laughs> what yeah. could have been. Yeah, and, and the other thing, too, for why the Sixers, why these two games were winnable games, Kyle Lowry didn't play in both games. Mm-hmm. And he's one of their best players offensively and defensively. Those are those are two opportunities you have to steal a game without Joel Embiid, but, with also, but also without Kyle Lowry, who's one of their best players. And it's just like... With Embiid, a, a lot of a lot of what happened either gets masked or doesn't happen at all. A lot of what the Heat were able to do to the Sixers this series so far has really only been because Joel Embiid hasn't been there. Bam Adebayo scoring at will, basically. Right. No Joel Embiid, that's why. Bam Adebayo getting all these rebounds. No Joel Embiid, that's why. He can just feast. Right. I mean, the Heat getting points in the paint like they did. Jimmy Butler... Uh, again, Bam Adebayo, no Joel Embiid. He, Joel Embiid masks and does so many things for the Sixers team, and we know we when he's not playing, we see we see it how the team plays without him, what it looks like. They they don't look very good, yeah. and the playoffs it's magnified because when you're playing a team like the Heat, who are really good at exposing weaknesses, especially at the center position, then it's it's a lot more obvious. They just look lost. I mean, yeah. there was what two shot clock violations in the late third, early fourth quarter, where that you just leave you scratching your head and you're just, just like, thinking, "What are they doing?" Oh. There's absolutely, and I guess I mean we expected this. It just sucks to watch it play out. There's absolutely no inside presence. No. Um, the only one scoring in the lane is Tyrese Maxey, who's the smallest guy on the floor. You know, it's like it just sucks, man, because it's especially game two, I noticed a lot of passing around the perimeter, passing around the perimeter, watching James Harden dribble, pass it, someone shoots it, and they missed. You know what I mean? And that that's You can live thing. with that if these guys are making shots, but they're not, and it's it hurts us. That's my thing, too. Why? I, I, I just have so many questions about <laughs> NBA players in general, but one, one I will address right now, why does James Harden not want to take over? Is it because he can't? Because he's getting defended really well? Maybe is it because he doesn't want to? Is it because he wants to pass too much? Uh, why? And like you said, he passes the guy doesn't make the shot. At right. that point, Harden, take the shots yourself. And he had a stretch in game two where he looked really good. He was driving. He was getting free throws. Yeah. He was getting to the line. Do that, dude. Do it. Yeah. It's just really so infuriating when he's open and he doesn't shoot. I, I sound like I'm talking about he who should not be named, <laughs> but I, it's just like hard, James Harden. Come on, dude. Please. It's you're you have open threes. Take them. Take them. Yeah. I don't know what it, I don't know what it is with him. 
Um, I saw a thing today. In 29 games, James Harden's played 29 games for the Sixers. He has had zero games where he's had 20 shot attempts. Think about that. This is James Harden. That's not good. And he's had really solid scoring games, but he's a guy that thrives on high-volume shooting and and shot attempts. Yeah. So that's not good. I do think the injury is bothering him. I don't think that that was a lie, you know, as he came over from, from Brooklyn. Um, I think that's hampered him a little bit. Um, and, and the thing with James Harden is he can still be very productive. If guys are making shots yesterday, he has 20 and 15 assists yeah. <laughs> in a playoff game. Like, you'll take that, you know, every single day of the week. And my thing with James Harden, I think he might be, or maybe I'm just scared to see him be very, very aggressive but not very efficient. You know yeah. what I mean? Because if he's not going to be efficient— fair too. If he's not going to be efficient, I don't want to see him go six for 27. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, um, that's fair. He's kind of lessening the blow if he only takes 13, 14, 15 shot attempts and he goes, you know, five for 14. Doesn't look as ugly as a seven for 22 or whatever you want to say. Um, some of that's in there. I think that's just me. But, um, man, it just sucks to be down to and to think what if, what could this series have looked like and all that fun stuff. But – we are coming back to Philly tomorrow night. Um, I will say this: one more thing to rant on, because we touched on a little minute, you know, a minute ago. Shake yeah. Milton playing one minute in garbage time in game two. It doesn't make sense to me. What is that? It doesn't make sense, especially because you're you're. We've touched on it this entire episode. You're relying on guys who are shooting the ball, shooting the ball. They're missing, and Shake Milton isn't a shooter. Shake Milton is a guy that created his own shot, and you need that, especially if James Harden's not doing it. If he doesn't have the explosiveness and all that. Um, I have a bit, I don't know if it's a hot take, but I have a bit of a theory with Shake Milton. Um, he's obviously had a slow, un, you know, up and down injury prone year, but I think James Harden being here has affected him in a negative way um, just by his role in the offense. So it's he's either out there with James Harden or Tyrese Maxey, so he, it seems to me that he's constantly deferring either that in himself or that like the plays just aren't for him because he's not Tyrese Maxey or James Harden. That's just kind of a that's something I'm seeing because when he's out there it's not like he's getting the ball. It's not like he's getting his opportunity and I would love to see Shake get an opportunity cuz he's you think about it without Joel Embiid out there like he's the third fourth best option we have to go get a basket. To score the ball, yeah. Right? I mean hmm I don't I know. can I can I definitely can understand the he has to defer to other guys because usually off the bench, right. he's not running. Before the Harden trade, he wasn't running with Maxi. Ordinarily, he wasn't running with Maxi. It was maybe him and Drummond and maybe Curry. Right. Sometimes not even Curry. Sometimes it was, I mean, when Korkmaz was still getting minutes, which is kind of a, kind of a, a, a tie-in here. I love I love Furkan to have his jersey, but why does he get minutes over Shake Milton? Right. Furkan hasn't gotten consistent minutes since like yeah. January. Why is he in? Why is he? Oh, yeah, I completely oh agree with gosh. you. Gosh, and you just at this point in the series, you know you've missed enough shots as a team. You need someone that can just do something. And Furk, to his defense, can do something, but but. It's too late. The rotations are supposed to be set. It's May. It's the second round of the playoffs. You can't just be experimenting with lineups. Yeah. And to your point about the Harden 
uh, Milton thing. I think, yeah, I I, I think maybe, I, 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 maybe to tie into what you're saying, but I think Milton also hasn't properly adjusted because of that and also because he also is getting less minutes. Right. Similar to a guy like Korkmaz, sure, why not? Um, his again, his role uh, to use the word deferring. His role is is has kind of dwindled a little bit. Yeah, I agree. And and yeah, it's like it's like you know, even in this playoffs, you see him out there for a minute and a half. He gets a bucket and he's back on the bench or something. Yeah. It's just Which, like, dude, it's not how you get players in groove, right? Because um, I mean, Shea can. He can go out and get 15, 20 in the playoffs. I fully believe that. He did it last season, too. Yep. When we needed it against Atlanta, he had a big game. He sparked us. So the fact that he didn't play last night doesn't – it just doesn't – I don't get it. I don't get it. I don't get it. Um, so that's that's the other thing to rant about, I guess. Um, I don't know if we want to come at Doc Rivers a little bit more. Um, but we haven't – you know, surprisingly enough, we haven't mentioned DeAndre Jordan – Gosh, I don't know, and and the way Glenn, as you would say, the way he kind of handles that post game, yeah. is just so arrogant and so like, because it wasn't the question wasn't even like rude. No, you know, it's just a simple question. You talking about, about the one in the video that came out on Twitter? Yeah, after yeah. game one. Yeah, it was the guy didn't even the guy was just totally neutral tone. Right, and here comes oh well, you know. Uh, yeah, he wasn't we like, like we like yeah. DeAndre. <laughs> we like DeAndre. We're gonna start him whether you like it or not. Yeah. And it wasn't like he, that wasn't the question. He was like, why are you starting DeAndre? He just kind of wanted to talk about the minutes that he got and that kind of thing. Right. Um. But yeah. So DeAndre Jordan, if Joel Embiid does not come back, will certainly be getting the the starting minutes. Uh, the one thing to note obviously Paul Reed did get more minutes in game two than DeAndre did I'm not sure about game one Um, I will say this the Sixers who were up one at halftime I do know that DeAndre Jordan was a minus 12 in his minutes and the Sixers without him on the floor were a plus 13 in the first half of game one and yet then Doc continued to play him in the second half um, until he got out of reach so (laughs) yeah yeah I'll say my I'll say my Doc Rivers slander until after the playoffs because <laughs> depending on what happens, I will have a lot to say, a lot of what I've said already, but but more. Yeah. Um. So we're gonna move on to uh, Game Three tomorrow night. Uh, many of you listening, or you know, that's gonna be tonight for you on Friday at the Wells Fargo Center. Game Three. Um. How do we bounce back? How do we? How do we? Obviously, it's going to look different with Joel Embiid. Without Joel Embiid, um, do you see any... Again, as a Sixers fan, I knew that coming into the series, if Joel doesn't play, we're not winning this series. No one was that dumb, I don't think. It certainly wasn't me. But, like... I don't know. You, you go. <laughs> with or without think, Joel Embiid, just talk about our chances, I guess, yeah. tomorrow. and. Well, without Embiid, the series is over. Just as just to put it simply for everyone listening and watching. <laughs> um, but even without him being the same applies. Kyle Lowry is still questionable. The bench needs to play better. And Harden and Maxi need to do what they did in game two. And and if MB doesn't play, that puts them in a great spot to win the game. If MB does play, a lot of that 
could still not apply and the Sixers still win because, like I said in the beginning of the episode, Joel Embiid does a lot for this team. And when the bench lacks, even even when and if the bench lacks, Embiid is there and playing and doing what he does. Right. Even if Harden may lack, Embiid is there doing what he does. He makes up for a lot of what the Sixers lack or may lack on a night-to-night basis. So everything still applies, especially if Embiid doesn't play. Because, okay. again, bench needs to play better. Kyle Lowry may not play. Need to take advantage of that. And what's the third thing I said? Harden and Maxi need to play like they did in game two. Yeah. Okay. The, the, these these are these are constants in the series. <clears throat> Things that need to happen. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I I part of me is thinking like there's no way Niang and Danny Green are gonna shoot like that. There's again. no way, right? 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 That's what I think. That's what I hope. That's what I think. And I also think that. You know, again, it's not if Joel doesn't play tomorrow. The Miami Heat look beatable, and it sucks that we don't have Joel to you know prove that. But it's like, you know, I don't know they, when Joel's going to come back if he does. Yeah. But if we can win Game Three without him, like I mean, because it, it's possible if we make a few shots, we figure out a couple things, we don't give up as many offensive rebounds and all of that fun stuff. Matisse actually does something. You know what I mean? And he's not just a you know, a nothing on offense. Put him in the dunker spot, let him do something. I mean what so that's what that's what we want. We want to see some yeah. big shots from the bench and some from, from Danny Green, but I mean, do you have do you do you have expectations for no. how game three is gonna go? No. It's hard to, right? Because we don't it's know if Joel's gonna go. To. It's very hard to. And and kind of like what you were saying, you the heat are a good team. They're very good. They're the number one seed in the Eastern Conference. They're a very good team. I like the Heat a lot. They're really good. But the Sixers, again, even without Embiid, they can beat the Heat. They can do it. All it takes is everything that I said, which I don't think is, one, a, a difficult ask, and two, unrealistic. Right. Because this is what is supposed to be happening. I'm not asking... Harden to go for a 50-point triple-double. That's not happening. I'm asking him to play the way he did game two. Maxi, extremely un- extremely realistic. Play the way yep. he did in game two. Bench. George and the I'm looking at you. Don't foul out, and don't shoot over 7 from 3. <laughs> <laughs> Danny Green, please make a few more threes next game. That would help a lot. Maybe something similar to game, to game five in the Toronto series. That would be fantastic. He had like 16 yeah. that game. The one expectation I do have, and I'll be extremely disappointed if I'm wrong, is I, you know, I expect some energy in Game yeah. Three. I expect, I expect a good start. Yeah. I, you know, I expect Danny to make a couple threes early. Like, I, you know, let's just let's just play. Especially if Joel's not out there, man. Everybody's counting us out anyway. Right. Um, and let's nothing just prove it. Let's just, let's play like there's nothing to lose. Let's mm-hmm. win one for the big fella, please. As much as he deserves something to be done for him on this yeah. team, it's for us to win one game without him. And um, you know, again, we don't know the timetable. You know, if we go down 0-3, I don't, I, I don't know. I saw someone that said Joel shouldn't come back, and I kind of agree. Yeah, I you know agree. what I mean. And I agree um, but if we can steal one and Joel's healthy, like. It's not over. It's not over. Is it looking good? Absolutely not. But I'm not giving up. <laughs> <laughs> and it's not over. Let's go make some freaking shots. Let's get some help. And let's go win the basketball game, man. Let's do this. Nothing to lose. 
Very well said. Very, very picture perfect to put a nice cherry on top of our of our discussion let's go it's, it's let's a go. He, little heated discussion man because we're mad and we're angry and we're freaking ready for game three tipping off tomorrow night seven o'clock i don't even know what channel but i'll be watching seven o'clock probably, probably abc i guess probably TV. abc on a friday yeah so um let's get it rolling let's go sixers and uh we'll see you next time let's go What's going on, everybody? Thank you for tuning in to Planet 76 Podcast. Please consider subscribing. It helps us out a lot and lets you know that you enjoy what we post. So thank you and peace out.